This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org .nz, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to DMEC On Air. I am Andrea Austin, a member of the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Youth Council, and I'm one of your hosts for tonight. Um, my name is Tanuja Lakshmin, and I am your other host for tonight. And we have a, a very special guest with us, um, if you would like to introduce yourself. Um, my name is Leji Maharam and I'm the guest for tonight. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking about my experiences, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so my first question for you, Leji, is how are you? I'm good. Um, I had a good day. I was fasting today, so I had a yummy dinner, so that was good. That's great. And um, how are you finding school at the moment? You know, is year 13 treating you well? Well, term one just ended, and all I can say was that was more stressful than I imagined it to be. It was, yeah, I was, let's just say I'm really happy the holidays are here. Yeah, same. Yeah, Um, it it was a bit intense. Yeah. Wait, so you're in year? 13. I'm in year 13 at the moment. Oh, so you're last year this year. Oh, exciting. Uh, Yeah, and terrifying. Uh, so another question that we have for you is, where were you born? Were you born here? or No, so I actually was born in Egypt and I came here in November 2015. So I think this is like my seventh year here. So, um, were And do there... you miss it back home? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do you miss was it that... there? Yeah, no, so, like, um, we had, we weren't able to go the entire, like, seven years, so it's been ages oh, since I've yeah. Been. So yeah. I definitely just miss being home and being with my extended family back home, because currently it's oh, just yeah, me, my family. mother, and my sister, and my father, of course. <laughs> so the last time you were in Egypt was 20, 2015, did you say? Yeah, it was November 2015 oh. was the last time I was there. Oh. And, and yeah. whereabouts in Egypt? Um, so I'm from a province um, called the Monothea. It's kind of like south of Cairo, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm bad with geography, but I yeah. hope I'm right. <laughs> but it's um, like 70 kilometers, I don't know, approximately away from Cairo, the capital. But yeah, I like it there. I just miss it. Are there any um, specific things you miss, like food or clothing or just um, like being there in general? I think I miss the feeling of home. It's definitely a different vibe than New Zealand. Um, the culture and kind of like the atmosphere is very different. And I miss being surrounded by family um, because 
you know, as much as I love my father and my mother and my sister, I, I miss my grandparents and the food, of course, like yeah. my grandma's cooking. I haven't had it in ages and, you know, no one can compete with her. So I'm so looking forward to like tasting it soon. I really hope so. What kind of food? Um, so, interested in? Yeah, see, the food is the food's the important Kitchen part. Um, Sounds really good. <laughs> um, well, of like a classic that she makes always is mashi and that's kind of like stuffed grape leaves and stuffed cabbage leaves mm, she makes yeah those, like, I think I've had I think I've had that yeah. before see the yeah. Egyptian version is different from like all the other because all like different countries have different takes on it and the Egyptian version is oh, my favorite yeah. I'm a bit biased of course but it's my favorite yeah. um so my grandma made it really nicely so I missed that um she made some really nice chicken along with it so I also miss that. I just I miss her desserts as well. She used to make me. I don't know if you've had it or well as well. Um, konefa. She used to like make it with mango. We had a mango tree in our backyard so that we planted ago. So what's konefa? Like what is? Oh, that? oh my god. Um, this is me thinking how to explain it. It's like you. It's like strings of really create like really crispy strings of something I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to how do you how spell, do you spell it? it I'm just gonna search it out oh I can um it's k-u-n-a-f-e-h I think I've always spell it in Arabic because my first time spelling it in English oh like a, a sweet cheese pastry wow. yeah oh it's really good that looks but really she used good. to she used to make it with mangoes, like freshly cut mangoes, and it used to be so good. Ooh, I used to like it with yeah. mangoes. Yeah. Um, so no one, so who cooks at home then? Well, currently it's my, mainly my mother. I will say that I am very proud because this week I did participate in making like a tra- very traditional Egyptian meal. Um, and I like kind of, I like to say I made half of it, but to be honest, it was only like a, like a quarter of it, but to me that's like me making the whole meal so and I killed so, it <laughs> so so mom's cooking isn't as good as grandma's like him no well no I, damn you're getting me in problems here <laughs> no. um no um mom's cooking is definitely the best and grandma's I'd like to think they share the throne you know like because grandma yeah. is from my mom's side so like mother like oh, daughter yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So they share and the throne. She probably taught her how to yeah, cook as well. Exactly. So it's like the same, yeah. Hopefully when I grow up a little bit, I'll show I'll share the throne and be the fantastic trio. Do you cook any dishes by yourself or are you just like under supervision by your mom? I actually, actually made mashi the other, and I think last holidays and the summer holidays, I made it for my dad and my sister because my mom was um, in Dunedin and we were in Christchurch and I made it for them. And... It was actually tasted like no, not biased here. I can I can like show you guys photos later, but it was really good. <laughs> I was honestly shocked myself because I cried like three times while making it. I was like, this is not gonna work. And then it turned out, and I was like, my dad didn't wasn't good. there. It turned out good, and my dad wasn't really? there when I was making it. So I was like, I was so confident throughout the whole time. He wouldn't. I was like a pro in the kitchen. So nice. yeah. So do you live in Christchurch or? Do you live in Dunedin here? No, I live in Dunedin. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But what my school? Otago Girls High School. Otago. Oh. Do you have a question for us, Andrea? 
Um, yes. Um, I was I was wondering if you had any um, recommendations for any, um, I guess, restaurants in Dunedin or your Ooh, area yes. where we could get recommend me authentic Egyptian food. I would love to try some. If my not, house, come to my house. <laughs> because I would know. love to have some konefa. Yeah, no, come over, seriously. Um, And it's Ramadan, so it's the perfect time. But um, honestly, um, there's none. And we there's only one for Turkish cuisine, but that's like incredibly different. Um, There's really none for even like Arabian cuisine in general, like Middle Eastern cuisine in general, like the authentic Middle Eastern cuisine. We hunted for some. And we were so desperate when we first got here. We were like, you know what? This is a business. The, the market is empty right now. We will yeah. literally, like, we'll, we'll fill in our niche. And we were seriously considering just opening a restaurant. But that's how yeah. desperate we were. But there is none in Dunedin. And also there's none in Christchurch as well. Because, like, I got to explore both really? cities. Really? Yeah, no. There's none that, like, that serves, like, because Egyptian cuisine is so rich and, like, distinct. And there's none that serve authentic Egyptian cuisine at all. And it's it's quite sad. Yeah. I think yeah. you guys should you guys should open up a store. Yeah, if all else fails, Sell some yeah, I'm doing a store. Um so I was just wondering, were there any cultural like culture shocks that you experienced after moving to New Zealand? Oh my god, a lot. <laughs> um I don't know if this counts as a culture shock or not, but the slang, um, when I first got here, I was mainly talking in American English and um, news and everyone was talking in this Kiwi slang and oh my god, it was it was shocking. But I like think what wait, what type of slang? Like like what were they saying? Oh, like I think it's even till now, like only last week I found out what Aranga means and apparently <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Raya, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, I was like, what is that? Because like, I, they were like, my friends were saying it, and I was like, wait, what, what even is that? Like, what does that mean? Because I heard people saying it a lot, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, the other thing is yeah. Egypt had a very strong, like, nightlife, and you kind of, like, the, sh- like, you started, you, you had two halves of the day, and, like, after you had because lunch was the big meal of the day and after you had mm. lunch you'd go out you'd like probably take a nap and then you'd go out at like eight and then you'd like have a nightlife there in the city New Zealand doesn't have that at all um oh. I think not even not even in Auckland that much because I feel like um especially in Dunedin where we spent like most of the time for like the first three or four years it kind of dies down after like seven no not even seven like five everyone's getting home and the whole city shuts down mm-hmm. at five and on Saturdays it's it's like mostly bars and that's it and like the mall would shut down at five to us that was ridiculous because the mall in Egypt <laughs> would shut down at like 1 a.m and it's like oh no wow. <laughs> yeah um yeah so that, that was, was definitely shock yeah mm. and what one of the other big ones was people walking barefoot I couldn't I still can't I still can't <laughs> really yeah it's still so shocking you would never dare do that in Egypt like never and um people walking barefoot and going to 
the supermarket in their pajamas and their big onesies like just last week I saw someone with their onesie I was like I'm not judging you honestly I respect you because I could I would never have the courage to do that just because it's so different from what I'm yeah, used to I think New Zealand's like pretty chill you know even yeah when it comes to like schools and stuff and education yes it's, yeah it's pretty like, chill on like the workload and yeah yeah it's a very specific culture that if you come in from anywhere else it's like yes you know what I'm yeah learning new things like I only found out of them in afternoon like a month ago same same we're both learning (laughs) what are you saying yeah wait you 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 learned what like avo avo means afternoon and I was like wait what I didn't even Arvo. Someone like texted me. Arvo. They were like, oh, Arvo. Hey. Like in the Arvo. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. What does that mean? No, I've heard no one say that and I've lived here my whole life. Really? Um, no. Um, all my friends were saying it. I looked it up. Arvo. Yeah. Oh my God. That's another thing. I feel like Kiwis are just so lazy. Like they shorten every word. Oh, yeah crazy. having spent like yeah. nearly a decade here now I'm kind of like I know that when I get back to Egypt I will be used to that lazy lifestyle and yeah. I will get a second culture shock but to my own home <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> funny when, it, when that happens yeah 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 um I think the one of I think the topic that like the main topic that we were here to discuss about was like kind of your experience here as like an Egyptian as like a Muslim here um like microaggressions and like racism and stuff is mm-hmm. no I've experienced my my fair share I think yeah. um Dunedin at least when we arrived it was um because currently I think we're lucky enough to have it at least be a little bit more diverse with the uh, with the arrival like and the acceptance of more refugees into our community. Yeah. But um, when we arrived in 2015, it was a very, very white society and we definitely stood out. Like I remember being the only person of color in my classroom when I first got to primary and it does make you stand out well, a lot I still am <laughs> yeah <laughs> I yeah. mean in, in some of my classes I still am but um yeah but it does like I kind of now I'm like used to it and I'm I I'm I've taken pride in it but um definitely people tend to tended to like stay away from me when I would be out with my mom because she wears the hijab um people yeah. to this day actually still give us looks um kind of like if you're in a store people like the people who work at the store will avoid you um and not talk really? to you even now even now yeah it because just happened like last week actually yeah no it just no happened way. last week um yeah. we you'd you'd go into a store and you like you they'd blatantly walk past you and side eye you just because my mom's wearing the hijab and I'm with her and it's kind of like oh you're dirty yeah. like you shouldn't be here it's crazy yeah and um people think New we, Zealand is amazing and peaceful and but I think every country is always going to have that shadow of racism no matter how great you think it to be you know I definitely think that New Zealand needs to like there's a I think there's a problem here with a lot of people glorifying it a little bit 
um, not glorifying racism, but glorifying New Zealand and saying that it's the country with no faults and that everyone is loving. Oh, it's yeah. so peaceful. And why I think it's, you know, definitely more peaceful and to a certain extent loving than more than most countries. I still it's think fine. that when we start to glorify it so much, we kind of forget to acknowledge that there is a lot of wrongs and faults in our society yeah. that we need to kind of embrace in the sense that we need to work on them and not just ignore them and brush them mm. under the rug to keep the perfect image yeah. of New Zealand yeah but and I think New Zealand is definitely like way better than a lot of other countries though which is yes. so glad like sometimes I'm like I have to think okay be grateful that you're here <laughs> than yeah. and not somewhere else like America you know but oh, yeah God. we still have we, we still have a lot of work to do yes um moving forward so yeah um yeah I was curious do you what language do you speak like in Egypt um so I speak Arabic in Egypt and um I'm bilingual but Arabic is starting to fade away a lot and that's um I yeah. guess you could say yeah. another thing that has to do with microaggressions um when mm. I when I got here I had an accent but it wasn't even like um an Arabic accent like English it was like an American accent and people still because I was of a different skin color people still took that as me not being able to speak English which was ridiculous and so I spent like two years speaking English even to my sister at home and that kind of made me lose some of my ability and proficiency in Arabic and I still regret it to this day so mm. I'd like to think I'm bilingual, but um, I do need to start working on my Arabic to get it up to speed. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I yeah. relate to that as well. Like when I was younger, I, I could speak more um, Tamil. Yeah. Um, Tamil is my uh, language that my family speaks. And um, I relate to that totally. Like you, it kind of fades out because mm-hmm. you, you grow up. Yeah. You get so sucked up in trying to like perfect your English because everyone around you kind of looks at you different if you if you don't, and mm. it's sad that they do, but it it forces a lot of us to kind of forget about our own language, and then we come to regret it later. Yeah, yeah. Have you faced any like stereotypes? Like, what I mean, what are the stereotypes that you hate? As like. Oh my god, um, I've faced them and I still do to this day. It's, I can't believe it, but it's still really common for a lot of people to come up and ask like, how was it living in the desert? I swear to god, every single person that I met in like the first three years of being here, and this isn't even exaggerating, it was literally like this, it would be like, oh I come from Egypt, and most of, most people would be like, oh so did you like have to live with the tents in 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 the desert with camels <laughs> and at this I like ugh, like I swear I yeah. did it I was living in the neighborhood in my house and it was a city the <laughs> desert is like, yeah it was like the desert is a thousand kilometers away man <laughs> I've never been there I'm yeah. terrified of the desert but yeah also kind of the stereotype that Egypt was so horrible and that I must be so, so grateful to people in New Zealand for saving me from absolute hell. And that's something that I really hate because Egypt was lovely, actually. I loved it so much and I still do. And I wouldn't say that I got saved, rather that it's just a different opportunity that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, 
my country was in hell or anything. Like, I didn't get saved, I would say. Yeah, and, like, how about any stereotypes as, like, a Muslim? Do you... Yeah, definitely um, people thinking that you are... People always think that Muslims are extremists um, in their religion, mm. and it's something that's really frustrating. Yeah. Like, and how, and how they p- portray it in, like film and movies and yes. television um, also makes a big well, impact the people that aren't like just outwardly racist to my mom and don't even want to talk to her it's always coming to then us three me my mom and my sister and almost kind of like telling us that it's okay that like we don't we were free from the oppression that islam puts upon us which is completely not true islam doesn't oppress anybody and um you know it's my mom's yeah. choice to put on the hijab actually um, she always told us a story of her dad, my grandpa, didn't actually want her to put on the hijab. He thought there wasn't a need for it. And when she decided to put it on yeah. herself after having been to the mosque like a couple of times, he was against it. And he was like, for the first few days, he couldn't believe himself. He was like, you know, you don't need to. It's fine. Even though he was Muslim. And I think people just need to realize that it's a religion that like over a billion people practice. Mm. Of course, there's yeah. going to be extremism. But there's also like the majority of us are on the center, and you know we're fine. How, we're happy. Yeah, and um, it's so so ironic how people think that it's uh, like a toxic and bad like religion when it's helped mm. so many people. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and it, it's and it yeah. still helps so many people to this day. Like it guides us in whatever we do and stuff. Mm. So it's. And, it's Sad, seeing people just misinterpret it or just misrepresent it completely in the media yeah. it's really sad um, yeah I know I know there's a lot of misconceptions about um holidays like Ramadan and um how people think it's just about fasting and you know not eating throughout the day are there any mm. would you would you like to explain the meaning behind the equation? yeah I mean sure I'm not sure if I'm the most qualified person um I may not like I may miss some things but I will do my best and it's Ramadan at the moment so I think it's like almost halfway through so I think very fitting time to explain um Ramadan is more about the reason we fast is to be able not to kind of like torture ourselves which is what a lot of people still think (laughs) I think we don't want to like it's not it's not about like punishing ourselves it's more about you fast to kind of connect with um your wider community to feel what those who are not so privileged as you feel and also um um kind of become more grateful for the everyday privileges that we may not recognize and um, that's why, like, the elderly are exempt from it most of the time because, um, you know, for them, fasting may be tougher because they need medication and stuff. So they don't have to do it because, again, it's not about punishing yourself. Ramadan is also a time to, like, give to charity so you connect more with your community and connect more with your religion. And it's a time of love. A lot of this is more culture, but, like, a lot of people come together and to kind of like break their fast together families come closer during the time it's an overall beautiful time that's definitely about connecting more with your community and becoming more grateful for the things you have rather than just punishing yourself with no food or water and a lot of the muslims who do it do actually enjoy fasting a lot 
yeah that, that's what I have to say that's my that take was on like it a perfect explanation oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. um does your family have any traditions that you like to do during Ramadan yes or? we have um traditional Egyptian drinks that are a staple in Ramadan we have um, nice. harub, which is kind of from, it's from this plant extract thing. Um, and it's really yummy. Um, and we have um, this other drink that comes from an extract of a flower that it's roselle from, it's like in the hibiscus genus, apparently, I don't know. But it's also, it tastes like dark red roses. It's a really good drink. And it's called Karkade. And we also, like on the first day, my family, we kind of have to have mashi, which is again like stuffed grape leaves or stuffed cabbage leaves. This has to be on the dinner on the dinner table. So yeah. Nice. Maybe I should hop around to your house. Yeah, I told you if you need any Egyptian food, guys, come over, come over to my house. It's the Egyptian Egyptian kitchen. I'm like, "Mm." yeah. (laughs) Come over. over Yeah. Yeah, um, we also make fanus with like a lantern that's that um sings. <laughs> How do like you it, you a lantern a that sings? Yeah, see magic. Um, you push a button, and then like oh. a song starts playing, and then it lights up and um like of different colors and stuff, and it's really pretty. They have they're I traditional to that. Egypt, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, we had to normally in Egypt, um, you don't have to make it yourself. You just go buy it. But because we're in New Zealand and there's literally none, we had to make some. Um, we made some. We made one from like cardboard and we printed some pictures of traditional like Ramadan things and we stuck it on them. And then this year we went to a Middle Eastern um, shop and we found one and we it was like a DIY one. and We made it ourselves and it actually sings. So big bonus. <laughs> from the cardboard nice. big upgrade yeah <laughs> is the house all decorated now yes house is looking very pretty you know very aesthetically pleasing as a restaurant dare I say <laughs> but yeah house is looking pretty going back to adjusting to a new country um how did you adjust to living in New Zealand I know that would have been pretty difficult um I think there were some some things that I did that if I looking back I would definitely say to everyone who is immigrating here especially as people of color to not do them and that is assimilation I think um especially Dunedin being so white it was a big pressure to assimilate and because I was so young I did just that it was I did not want to stand out at all and I wanted society to accept me so bad. I was, there was a period of time where I was ashamed of my religion and of my skin color. And it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to, it was more like I was forced to, and I just gave into it. And I think the main thing I want to say is society's never going to accept you. Um, or it's not never, like, you're always going to stand out anyways in a white society as a person yeah. of color. So do not try to assimilate and just embrace who you are and just um, connect with the the new society that you're in because it is a new culture, but also stay true to who you are and just know that you do not have to change for anybody or for any society at -hmm. all. And that's the main thing I would say to younger me, Um, just don't give in to the bullying, I guess. And yeah, yeah, just be aware. Some some bullying is like a a weekend. 
yeah because I stood out from everybody and so I was kind of like an easy target but yeah I would just say you being Egyptian is awesome and you should embrace that and being you know from any country even I don't know just embrace who you are and embrace your religion yeah nice well spoken so thank you I think that is us for tonight thank you for joining us yeah right very thank you and yes fun thank you for introducing me to Konefa or yeah you're saying you're saying it better than most for sure okay (laughs) oh right thank you thank you Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council on Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC on Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.